0: Finally, on day like forty-seven somewhere in there, there was enough on my mind. I thought, all right, I just got to get some stuff out. It's not fair that John doesn't know what I'm thinking. And let me just let me just puke some words at him for a moment or, or a half hour. I think it probably was. And let him know everything that's on my mind, and then we can just get past it.
1: This is a scenario that probably sounds familiar. Sometimes we have so much on our minds that we just need to let it loose. But which causes more damage? Stifling your thoughts and letting them build in your own head? Or releasing them and potentially laying the burden on somebody else?
0: But was I a piece of a distraction so that he didn't see something he should have seen? did, Did he or we not see it because we were distracted by the social element?
1: And as your environment becomes more extreme, so do the consequences.
0: Then he was swimming and I was trying to get him out and the ice was breaking underneath me, so I kept moving back and he kept moving forward.
1: Who are the Mountain Meisters? Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You
0: gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have.
1: Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice with your host, Ben Shank. Hello, Meister fans. A couple of quick things before we get to the show. If you haven't already gotten a free audiobook from us, do that because it really helps us out. The link is right on our website. It's the one that says free audiobook in case you're having trouble finding it. Audible has an enormous selection of books, and I'd be happy to give you some recommendations. If you'd like, send me an email, ben, at mtnmeister.com. Also, if you're listening to this episode shortly after its released, that means I'm currently at the Outdoor Retailer Trade Show in Salt Lake City, seeing the latest and greatest products on the market, I'll be recording a podcast episode from that location. And if there are any companies or products or technologies that you'd like me to include in that episode, you just want to learn more, let me know. Send me an email, ben at mtnmeister.com. I'm at your disposal. Okay, back to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mountain Meister. I am your host, Ben Shank, and with me today, I have Tyler Fish. Tyler Fish, welcome to Mountain Meister Uh, Thank you very much for having me For the listeners who don't know Tyler He is a wilderness expedition leader And an associate program director for Voyager Outward Bound Perhaps his most notable expedition was the one to the North Pole in 2009 Where he and John Houston, a fellow mountain meister Were the first Americans to reach the North Pole unsupported Tyler, congratulations on that
0: Thank you very much
1: We've had, as I mentioned, John Houston on the show for episode number 11, and we also had Eric Larson on for episode 46. For the listeners, check those out if you want another look at polar exploration. We're going to talk about uh, some different topics with Tyler today, but I will say, Sometimes, Tyler, I get complacent and I have to remind myself that like going to the North Pole isn't very normal, even though I've talked to a few people who have done it. Uh, this is a really weird thing to do. How'd you get involved in this?
0: Well, first of all, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's a weird thing to do. I mean, you didn't, nobody really understands just how few uh, people actually try this expedition. <laughs> um, I mean, if you were to have a visual, it would be astounding how many people climb Everest or go to the... The South Pole versus versus attempt to get to the North Pole. So, you're absolutely right. It's very very rare. Uh, as to how I got into it, I'll tell you what I didn't do. I didn't have this dream my whole life. I know what I want to do ever since I was a child. I want to go to the North Pole. That was not that was not the case. Huh. Um, no no not at all. And and um, basically what happened was uh, I had been working for Hourbound as an instructor uh, summers winters. Sea kayaking, canoeing, dog sledding—you know, doing all uh, all sorts of different activities. And basically, you know, throughout that whole time, I was learning how to be hungry and cold and wet and dry and dehydrated and overstuffed with food and and basically always taking care of myself. And that's what an expedition is really—it's it's a, a self care challenge, hmm. you know. And um, so I learned how to do that, and and then at some point, I think it was two thousand six. John, who I'd worked with at Outward Bound, he came back from Greenland, and he'd been spending a tent, spending time in a tent with a bunch of Norwegians. And from my understanding, there was a conversation mostly went like this. You know, John, no American has done this expedition. And John kind of went, huh, at least to my imagination. <laughs> and then, and he comes back and tells me, pr- we pretty much have the identical conversation, You know, where he says, you know, Fish, no American has done this expedition. And I go... Huh, and it kind of stopped there for a bit, and then, um, uh, then uh, you know, weeks later, we find ourselves at a house I was renting in in town in Ely, and and we have another conversation, and basically the conversation ended with "What do you think?" And uh, we both thought the opportunity was there, and we decided to grab it. I mean, honestly, that's that, so that's what funny. it was. And that's a small snowball of a thing, right? And slowly, it gained momentum. Yeah.
1: I said it's very weird, but I found out that Ely is in northern Minnesota. So if there's one person in all of the states that's going to be a polar explorer, it's probably somebody from northern Minnesota, right?
0: <laughs> well, actually, it's it's true in, in some
1: ways. Um, you know,
0: when, when you're hauling tires around northern minnesota dragging them behind you um and you're in ely people look at you and go oh it's one of those guys you know whereas john tra- training in chicago i think got a much different reaction he did you know? he told us um, that story <laughs> yeah for me it's not it's not the same at all uh, I, I actually think that uh, minnesota has an unsung history when it comes to polar exploration and in particular the north pole I, um that the, there are many minnesotans who have been involved in arctic exploration um you know, Will Steer, Lonnie Dupree, Eric Larson, uh, to name a few. You know, Ann Bancroft, Julia hignall I mean, there, there's just, there's many. And, uh, and and we don't know that, you know. But you're really, where else is it going to be cold enough? Where, where else is the cultural history alive of, you know, dog sledding and skiing and that cold is good for you. And, um, you know, everybody's strong and good looking and might have kids someday. You know, so. <laughs> Sounds like
1: there's a lot of pride in your voice for, for the Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the up Tingent needs to stand up and be recognized. Uh, I think so. You train and train and train for this. We talked to John and Eric about training and eating. Let's go Let's go to the expedition. And I guess what you were thinking about going into the expedition, did you guys place like a likelihood on succeeding this? Or, like, What were the chances that something like this could be succeeded by you guys?
0: Well, it's a good question because it's a mind game for sure. Uh, and we knew... You know, the, the great thing that we had going into this were, was the right expectations. We knew that this expedition is very, very challenging because it starts out hardest. It's the coldest, darkest, heaviest it's going to be in an environment you've never been in. You've, you can't train in it because it's too expensive to get to. So it's not like play football and go train on the football field, you know? Um, so it's coldest, darkest, heaviest. Uh, and we are going to go so slow in the beginning and we knew that. That's the thing. We knew it. And we didn't care how fast we went. I mean, our shortest day, we spent seven hours to go less than a mile hmm. in, the, in the first two weeks. But we didn't care because the first two weeks, basically, the rules that we lived by were don't break anything, don't freeze anything, don't get hurt. Work on your routines. That's it. Um, that was the mindset going into it, and that really served us well. And and it was really let's focus on the here and now. We're, we're not going to focus on getting to the pole that just doesn't matter. Simultaneously, of course, we're in awe of where we find ourselves, mm. right? Here I am in the edge of North America. I'm at the tip of the world, basically. You had never
1: like. been there before, right? No, no. Mm-mm. Amazing. So some quick stats for the listeners. They went 475 miles over 55 days, consumed 8,000 calories apiece each day, temperatures at minus 60 all of those things sound kind of miserable except for the 8,000 calories a day. I would like to try that for one day, I think. (laughs) Um, did you look forward to waking up in the morning, like uh, 55 days of this over and over and over again? I, I, I'd imagine you have to have a positive attitude, but you know, when people wake up in the morning to either exercise or go to work, nobody really feels like waking up. Did you have that same, uh, mindset? Well, we did wake up every morning at 5 a.m. and I—I I mean, and John woke us up because he had the alarm
0: in his sleeping bag, so he would always wake us up. Um, and I did not dread waking up. I'm a morning person. I don't drink coffee. You know, the only thing you're in—you're this nice warmth, this cocoon of warmth, and so you're—you don't really want to get out, but you, but you have to. Mm-hmm. But but dreading it? No, no. Um, it, now some people worried, including John. He worried about me. He's like, "Oh, 55 days is you know, is fish gonna be able to do it?" And, but but you know, this is where I am the right person just based on some inherent abilities that I have. And one of those abilities that I have is the longer the expedition, the better it is. Hmm. The, the the more energy I get, the more momentum I get. The the yeah. So so that never really got to me. Um, no, I was always ready to ready to start each day and let's see what happens.
1: Interesting. So that is a strength that you have. Could you point to a weakness that you had on the trip? And you have a teammate for a reason. Was John able to counter a weakness that you had? Yes, uh, my weakness. John
0: and I are very similar in a lot of ways, uh, similar size even, which is convenient. You know, if you ever have to switch clothing, which which we did. Huh. Um, but but uh, but mentally, we're we're different. We have slightly different sense of humor, although we both like Talladega Nights. Uh, you know that, that movie. Yeah, um, I hate that. Shake movie. and bake. You know, <laughs> well, you can't come on our trip then. Right. Um, No worries. <laughs> you can leave me no, behind. Okay. <laughs> uh, John is very detail oriented and strategic. I think, um, or at least takes on that that role. Can take on that role. I am more big picture focused. Uh, And I would say tactical, like what is what is it right now? What is it in the moment that I have to do to make a situation better? Um, And and optimistic, I'm I'm very optimistic that way. Like what can I do now? What can I do now? What can I do now? What do I have control over? So and and John is John worries more, and I'm not a worrier. And you know that's both of those are very important, and we balance each other out. I think
1: you guys must be so close after going through something like that do you still do you still talk all the time
0: yeah i'm gonna call him today actually probably after this or or on my way home or something
1: i just i I can't even imagine how close you must be with somebody
0: well sure i mean we've definitely gone through gone through fire you know and and that's a good thing i i i point to this expedition as a time when john and i got closer we're better friends because of this and and i think that that speaks well of our approach because these expeditions can tear people apart too um, and and it's the opposite. And when we wrote the book, that brought us even closer together. So, it's been a long journey of, of getting to know John Houston, that's for sure, and mm-hmm. getting to know myself also.
1: Was there a time when you guys got like really frustrated with each other?
0: Yes. I, I multiple multiple times um not in an unhealthy way, I think that that frustration uh, um or disappointment or or uh, confusion or any of that that happens in relationships, that's normal. And what's most important is how you work with it. In a successful expedition relationship, you work with it and figure it out. Um, but John and I, our, our, the hardest part about about this whole project in a lot of ways was the planning. Our, our planning of the trip was very imbalanced. <laughs> when I came to this expedition, I was not married, did not own a house, and did not have a child. And then somewhere in between committing and going, I got married, bought a house, and had a kid. Wow. Not what I'd recommend. <laughs> um, so, what happened was we had some inherent imbalances in our in our planning that we did not anticipate or want, but they were there, and some of them needed to be there. And there's a we had to figure that out. But what it meant was that going into the expedition, there was some imbalance in our relationship, um, and and that's what you don't want on the ice. You want to both be uh, you know on par mm-hmm. with each other and knowing where you're coming from. And so, I think that that you know, our relationship was kind of hung over, so to speak, because of that. And that affected us. And, and, uh, we, we dealt with it over time. And then finally on day like 47, somewhere in there, there was enough on my mind. I thought, all right, I just got to get some stuff out. It's not fair that John doesn't know what I'm thinking. And let me just, let me just puke some words at him for a moment or, or a half hour. I think it probably was And let him know everything that's on my mind and then we can just get past it. So I, I did that. And that was really cathartic for me. And, and I think really hard for him, but at the same time, it allowed us to Move one step closer, and we got past it, and it it was awesome.
1: That is so neat. You always hear about people saying, you know, like talk it out. You need to talk it out, and that's what you did. But this is such a an amplified environment. Like, if that didn't go right, this is high repercussion.
0: Right, and and it's funny you say that because I think there were repercussions. I mean, there were benefits, but there were also negative consequences. I I this is by my memory now as I'm thinking about it. You know, it was the next day. I think that that John went through the ice. Mm. The rule was whoever is leading at that moment, whoever gets to the lead, that person makes the call to go around it or go over it or, or whatever. John got there and it was his call, and he decided to, to ski over. and I thought it was a good call, and and then he's in. Yeah. And and like swimming up to his neck, you know. And and granted, there was a lot on John's mind, and it wasn't. I'm not. I'm not going to take all the credit <laughs> for that. Mm. But was I a piece of a distraction so that he didn't see? something he should have seen. Not that I was seeing it either, but you know, did did he or we not see it because we were distracted by the social element? Um, which is hugely, hugely distracting, hugely distracting. And, uh, yeah, we tried, we'd made a throw rope that we could, I could throw to him. Uh, it failed. Then he was swimming and I was trying to get him out and the ice is breaking underneath me. So I kept moving back and he kept moving forward. And I mean, in the end he got out, um, and then I'm sure the question on both of our minds was, oh my gosh, are, are your skis still attached? Right? Because, we, mm-hmm. we, again, we have the goal in mind. We have this goal in mind, and, and we knew that the skis are critical. That's uh, what we believed in. And, you know, getting him out, then it was there was a lot of yelling and a bit of chaos, and me trying to stay half a step ahead of what he wanted and needed. And uh, in the end, I left him sitting on the ice on a pad uh, in his sleeping bag eating chocolate while I went to put up the tent and think about what we're going to do next
1: so so he was not wearing kind of the waterproof suit no
0: the dry suits no we we, you know if we didn't have to put on the dry suits it's a lot faster Mm -hmm. and at this point it's starting to to get sort of race like you know we're racing time to get to the pole and um towards the end there all of a sudden we started to turn our vision towards towards arrival
1: in the last 66 hours you've basically slept for around three hours, you guys were just in a race to get there. You would ski for 12 hours, then sleep and eat and uh, drink for an hour and kind of repeat that 12 hours of going, one hour of sleeping and fueling. How were you emotionally at that point? Like physically, this is obviously a test. Can you take us to like how you were feeling emotionally, like uh, what's going on in your mind?
0: Sure. Well, first of all, to clarify –
1: We hadn't had any days off, so up until this point, it's been, you know,
0: 52 days of of expedition. Of course, prior to that, it's, you know, years of preparation. Um, And so, we're very tired. We had three hours of sleep in the last 66. We probably had eight hours of sleep in the last 96. So, we're definitely sleep deprived. Um, How was I emotionally? On the one hand, relieved because we had a new plan, right? Okay, we've got a new plan. This is going to work. Uh, so here we go. So that was a good thing. Uh, also, emotionally, I would say I was fragile. I've never felt so fragile in my life. You know, there's a part in The Hobbit when when Bilbo saying, "I feel like um, butter spread over too much toast," and I think that's how I felt for sure. Um, so there's that, and then there's you know, there's a lot of thoughts in my in my head. I remember that last morning, which was really like 1:30 a.m. or something, um, when we're getting up and ready to go. Uh, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be our longest day. We might make it. We might not make it. Am I going to be the reason we don't make it? Uh, What else? Oh, do I want it to be over? Mm. Because when, when, when life on an expedition is good, it's really good. And yeah, I wanted to get to the North pole, but I wasn't ready to leave the ice or leave John or rush into media and family and, and all that that i knew was coming i I didn't want that life on an expedition is good
1: how is that possible that you say life on an expedition is good yet there are other people you're both human yet they so try to avoid uncomfortable scenarios like these well they haven't experienced what i've experienced oh okay so this is interesting do you think that experiencing something such as this is good for everybody or is this just something that is good for you when you say
0: like this, let's qualify. I'm not saying that anybody or everybody should go to the North pole, but I think something like this, meaning an expedition where you're away from distraction and totally focused on a tangible goal, the balance between challenge and ability is, is really perfect. And you're taking risks and it's working and you're engaged with this other person and it's going well. Like when all of that is happening and you're physically active at the same time, um, I, Yes, it's good for everybody. I believe that.
1: Very cool. Let's move on to your gear recommendation, Tyler. We like to ask all of our guests for some gear recommendations. And you you guys had 350 pounds of gear on the expedition. So give our listeners something that they have to have.
0: Well, we had 600 pounds total of, of food and fuel and equipment. But if we get rid of the food and the fuel. <laughs> you know, I'm, we- I'm actually wearing one of these pieces right now because my office is cold. Perfect. Uh, yep. I have a down vest on that I love and it is not the vest that went on the expedition because it's a size smaller, (laughs) but it's, it's the same model. And, um, that was a very versatile piece of equipment. I could put it on in the morning. I could put it on in the evening. I could put it on during a rest. I mean, it's, it comes off, it, it goes on, um, based on what I need. It was just awesome. You want gear that is versatile. How many different roles can it play? because you don't need to take a lot like let's let's simplify so down
1: vest is good uh what kind of down uh, vest is see. it i'm curious
0: it's a bergens of norway down vest it's it's barely simple really yeah. It's good. got you know zips up and has some snaps and it's got two pockets three pockets yeah the good gear doesn't need to be complicated uh, at all or fancy it just needs to be functional and durable and uh and repairable
1: mm. Yeah, I heard you guys had so, to do some repairs on the trip, right? You're a that's right. skilled sewer. <laughs>
0: the number one number one repair kit item: needle and thread. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I've I've backed that up backed that up over time. I've asked different expeditioners and and base camp managers and that kind of thing. I said, hey, if, you know, if you're gonna have a repair kit, and you're gonna have one thing. What's it gonna be? And they all said, needle and thread. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see other other pieces. Of, oh, go ahead.
1: Uh, yeah. Yes. Give, uh, give us one more.
0: People may be interested to know that I I wear glasses. And often people ask me, Sir, so, do you wear glasses on the trip? And I, well, for the first 20 days or so, I didn't because it was too cold. So I just, hmm. you know, my vision isn't that bad. So I I'd ski without. Um, and there's nothing really to look at anyway. So, um, but later I wore Oakley's, a pair of Oakley sunglasses, and I had a pair of Oakley clear lenses also. And I loved those glasses. Those Oakley, Oakley glasses I have are still um, my favorite. Piece of eyewear I've ever owned. I wear them driving. I wear them. I'm a cross country ski coach. I wear them coaching. Um, I wear them at the beach. Anytime I can, I wear them.
1: Do, so. do you still have that same pair of glasses? Oh yeah, they're right here. I'm very impressed. I lose glasses all the time, and I I think about this sunglasses and uh, maybe not maybe not prescription lenses, but sunglasses are just a great business to be in because people lose them all the time. And I can't imagine how many repeat purchasers there are of sunglasses.
0: Yeah, it is probably a good business to be in. Um, and once you get loyalty, you've got loyalty. Exactly, I'm, I love yeah. my Oakley. Uh-huh. I'm an Oakley
1: guy now. Yeah, very cool. So we talk about how you know challenging yourself, having this relationship with a person is so beneficial. I'm curious, how have you changed from the person before that expedition to after? How have you either improved or if there is anything that you've had a problem with after the expedition,
0: yes, so you know life was was challenging because I like I said, oh, I got married, I bought a house, I had a child, then I was I had a job and um, and and when there's a lot of pressure then you and you spend fifty five days on the ice with nothing much to look at except for the ice and maybe another person, you start to think and you get lost, you know, and you just let your mind run, and so you eventually turn to what should I make? different how should what should i do differently i think uh, what how's my life different i think i recognize the the power of doing you know that belief is not enough you can believe really strongly and think about something a lot but but doing itself has a lot of power and changes your perspective more than anything So if I'm ever not sure what to do, sometimes I just do something. Hmm. And that that frees frees me up, sort of dislodges my mind and keeps me going. That's a good thing. I I like to think that um, when I got back back from the exhibition, I like to think that it taught me patience. Because you cannot beat the ocean, frozen or otherwise. And, uh, you know, the Arctic Ocean, the, the, the wonderful aspect of the Arctic Ocean is that it throws at you a challenge. And then it throws at you another challenge, and it throws at you another challenge, and then it'll throw you the first challenge again, you know, days later. So you're never really done with any challenges. So I, I think about that. I also think that it did teach me the value, the very real value of how proactively we communicate and how much we hold things in and how damaging that can be to hold things in. And, and and it's funny at the same time. I say that the ocean taught me patience. It also taught me impatience. In that, in that, I just don't have time anymore for things that go unsaid. Let's just get it out there. Come on, let's do it.
1: Tyler Fish, wonderful having you. Really, really interesting discussion. Thank you for joining us today.
0: Yeah, you you are very welcome. And I, it's a wonderful uh, jog of memory every time.
1: For the listeners, check out highlights of today's episode on our website, MTN. Meister.com on Tyler's Meister profile page. You can also find the book about their expedition called Forward. We'll have the link to that on our website as well. Tyler, thanks for joining us.
0: You're very welcome, Ben. Thank you.
1: Hey, guys. I hope Tyler Fish got you fired up to do something cool in 2015. And if he did, we have something to help you out. On our website, We're writing down our goals for 2015 and making them public. Episode 98, if you didn't catch that one. If you haven't posted your goals yet, do it. Share them with the world. We may even feature you on a future episode of Mountain Meister. Oh, and while you're at our website, capitalize on that free audiobook. If every single person listening to my voice right now did it, that would support this podcast for a long time as always enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do when you listen to this podcast until next time I am Ben Shank, and you have been listening to Mountain Meister